Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the solar panel. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties, and uh, by we, I mean Dave. Uh, he got he got a new PC, so just kind of waiting on him to, to figure that out. But uh, in the meantime, we got a, an awesome guest over from PHNX, uh, Gerald Bourget. Uh, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Gerald? Yeah, I'm Gerald Bourget, and uh, I am filling in for Dave for the next five to ten minutes. <laughs> we'll see how long it takes him to show up to his own show dave come on but um no i'm i'm excited to be here always love being on the show so we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about today too yeah originally um when i was talking to gerald earlier this week i was saying we should just do an over under just kind of predicting like season stats and we're still going to do that but that was when there's like nothing to talk about so yeah, <laughs> yeah uh the server selling the team and or looking to sell the team and you know jay crowder couple trades going down i think there's a, a little bit more we can cover today so um yeah just just a little bit <laughs> yeah just a few just a few minor things broke this week um <laughs> but yeah i mean what better way to enter media day on monday right oh yeah chaos um but yeah we'll start with the the first report it came from a uh, shams reporting that uh, robert sarver is starting the process of selling the the phoenix suns and mercury and, you know, I just remember getting that notification on my phone and just like, I, I was in disbelief. I thought it was like a, even though it was like, I have notifications on, I thought it was like a fake account or like just a joke, but uh, <laughs> it felt too good to be true. So uh, what was your initial reaction to, to seeing that notification? Yeah, it, it was funny because we got the, uh, in our group chat for PHNX, we got the, someone in the group chat had sent us the link to that press release and immediately espo like was following up with someone uh with his sources if you will to figure out if this was legit and um it turns out it was so it, it was really it was kind of hard to believe because you're reading the statement and you would never think that this day would come a that he would sell the team because we know sarver among all the other things that he is is a very stubborn individual who has always cared about owning this team and, and what the public thinks of him so for him to be selling the team, that was a shock. And then the way that the press release was worded, uh, the lack of ownership of his actions or any sort of apology and kind of putting it back on uh, what was it, our current climate or culture, whatever it was that he used, the phrasing that he used, 
is like, man, he had to get his last parting shots in there before he sells his team. But uh, I, I was very shocked, but I am curious what might have gone on behind the scenes that kind of prompted him to sell because I, I honestly thought it would take a lot more for him to leave, and I'm glad that that wasn't the case. Yeah, definitely. I, I said on last week's show I was nervous that this thing would drag out, and like the longer it, it you know goes on, the worse for the sun. So the fact that – oh, there he is. Hey, Dave. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, everybody? The return. Good. The return, back. The, the return, the triumphant return. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll let Dave kind of answer this and jump in. Uh, what was your initial reaction to, well, first of all, how are you doing after the, the shoulder surgery? Uh, it's been, <laughs> no, it's been I'm a doing minute. pretty good. I'm sitting here in my uh, shoulder, my sling. I got a total replacement in my shoulder. So all the bits and pieces, all the parts are replaced. It's, it's been pretty painful, but um, I'm glad to be back. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to media day. You're going to see me walking around with my, with my broken wing on media day, but I'll be there for sure. Absolutely. You can't miss this, man. No. There's going to be a lot of national people there. Uh, at least um, a few people from ESPN for sure. And it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. They're going to, the, I can just see now. What do you think James Jones is going to say? Uh, we'd rather not talk about it. What do you think Monty's going to say? Uh, we'd rather not talk about it. What do you think Chris is going to say? Uh, we'd rather every player is going to roll their eyes by the end of the day, not wanting to talk about the Robert Sarver situation because they're going to feel like it's done. But that's what actually had to happen because if there was just the one-year suspension, they'd have been forced to actually talk about it and not get away with saying nothing. So it's just amazing um, that it has worked out this way. I put something on Brightside that, I mean, there's four or five theories as to why Sarver went from one year suspension to, okay, fine, I'll sell. And all of them are probably in play, right? Yeah. He got a lot of chatter behind the, behind the scenes from the owners, I'm sure, even though they didn't want to go to a vote. He got a lot of pressure from Adam Silver um, in general, although Silver works for him rather than the other way around. A lot of pressure from players, a lot of pressure kind of going to be coming from media. Um, pressure from all over the place where he just couldn't come back. And he couldn't even make it the whole year not being around. You know, not, He's still in Phoenix and he's still going to get crap from people. Um, so it's it's there's a lot of pressure from a lot of different directions. And finally, I, but I am still surprised that he actually caved within seven days, which also makes me think there was a deal behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Adam Silver said, I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. We'll throw the NBA under the bus talking about how for 20 years you built a, built a good culture, which is bullshit. <laughs> uh, and then, um, but you then can say that you're going to quit and you're going to, you're going to sell rather than the NBA forcing it and making it look like you totally lost all faith. So they allowed him to save a little face. They took some egg of their own. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Silver orchestrated the whole thing and it was all planned. I'm, I'm, I, I was just telling Brandon before you joined us, Dave, I am also curious about what maybe privately behind the scenes public Sarver in, pressured Sarver into this decision because – you know, that I think we were all pretty dismayed and disappointed by the press conference that Silver gave. 
But as soon as like, I think he was just made himself. What do you I think? think so? <laughs> I mean, I've never seen him stumble over his words like that. I will say that. Um, but I, I wonder how much, you know, the players speaking up played into it, the players association, having the players backs in that way, um, you know, PayPal pulling out. I know that that endorsement was worth about 3 million last year. So how much was it going to be worth in the final year? I don't know, but how many maybe sponsors or partners were threatening to pull out behind the scenes? I am curious, but to your point about the players speaking, I kind of thought that it might be the opposite as far as like if Sarver was still in charge, they might be less willing to speak up. But that is an interesting point because now that we've got this report that he's in the process of looking for buyers, are they going to kind of use that as like a way out as like, oh, we don't want to talk about an ongoing, you know, transaction, something that's fluid here. Mm -hmm. I really do hope they say something though. And I especially hope that James Jones and Monty Williams at least say something because James Jones's name and statement was attached to the, that list of statements that they released last November. And his was a very yeah. short one. It was a very, I don't think uh, he's going to acknowledge that at all. I, I, I have a feeling you and I have talked to, you know, James in, in uh, some group set, mostly group settings, some one-on-ones and mm-hmm. we know how he is. I, I feel like I can predict what he's going to say. I'll be surprised if he says anything different. He's going to, they're going to say exactly what Adam Silver. No, wait a minute. They're going to say who said it, who said uh, the, they got it right. Or he got it now that he's selling um, something about the, the report, they got it right. That that's, if that's what um, was proven in the report as being true, mm. then uh, the right decision is for him to sell. And they're going to leave it at that. I think they're just going to make it as simple as possible. It's going to be a five-second soundbite. And there's only going to be one of them per person, I think. I party line. It's going to be a Marshawn Lynch like 2.0, just like, I'm here to talk about basketball. That's, it's just, that's all they're going to be saying. James will steer that. everything to basketball for sure. And then we'll ask yeah. him about the power forward position. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be very disappointed if they do that because I look, his statement last year was like a one. It was like, that's not the Robert. I know it gave him plenty of ground to be like, well, I got here like two years ago. So the Robert, I know barely talked to the guy, but like if you attach your name to that statement, if you tout this culture that you have and you're James Jones and you're Monty Williams, like, okay, if you don't want to say anything about it, fine, but don't, talk to us about culture and this whole organization being a family anymore, because if you're not willing to say something about this, I, I have a hard time kind of swallowing that pill moving forward. Yeah. What I'm going to be hoping to hear, and I don't think we're going to hear, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably in my cynical mood right now. <laughs> um, what I'm going to be hoping to hear is that they spend more time talking about the victims Mm-hmm. of Robert Sarver's abuse for the last 18 years that has gone unchecked mm-hmm. who are still dealing with it as PTSD. Cause once you have a really bad boss, mm-hmm. you don't give chances to any other bosses in the future until they prove otherwise, you know um, he has victimized hundreds of people like in the several hundreds and Oh, poor Robert. Poor Robert's going to have to take a billion dollars to go away. I don't feel bad for Robert fucking Sarver. Mm-mm. I don't feel bad for him. And don't you dare spend a second feeling bad for him. Anyone watching this show, listening to this show, who I feel bad for are the people 
who had to take the NDAs, who had to sign an NDA of how poorly he treated them just to get their severance. One of the things that came out in that report that I read the, the long report, cause I have more time on my hands now. Um, I read the long report and it said that the NDAs, the payoffs of the NDAs were just simply their regular severance based on, you know, on, on time served or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So all it was, was getting paid their go away money that they would have been paid, but they had to get an NDA for it. Otherwise they had to go away for nothing. Yeah. Those are the victims. Those are the people that we should feel so bad for. So if I hear one word of sorrow for Robert Sarver, I'm going to be pissed. And if I hear no words of sorrow for the people that he victimized, I'm going to be pissed. But I don't think either of those things is, I I think I'm going to be pissed on Monday is what I'm saying. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. I especially don't feel bad for him when I see the valuations of what the sons are worth now. Um, You know, his punishment is selling the team and, you know, making couple billion so mm-hmm. definitely zero uh remorse or sorrow for sarver at this point you know this johnny uh henderson in the chat good thing sarver's a total ass or he would be owner for life yeah look at the dallas mavericks <laughs> yeah same epping organization you know what's re- also really sad is the only thing that got baxter that i don't know this for sure but i'm guessing the only thing that got Baxter the backing from ESPN to post the publish that report that forced all this to start was the four counts of racism that he found over 18 years, not the 5,000 counts of being an asshole to everyone he knows, especially women, but it's the four counts of racism. The times he used the N word, that's what got that published. And that's still the focus today. Like everyone's worried about how the players feel about players probably don't care about Robert Sarver because they didn't deal with him very much. And when they did, he probably didn't. uh, It's obvious after talking to hundreds of people that he doesn't use the N word on a regular basis, doesn't treat them poorly. The basketball operations side is not the problem uh, other than him telling them to sign the wrong people. But as far as racism and being treated poorly, the basketball operations side was not the problem. The problem was the business side. So that's another thing is on Monday, we're going to hear a lot of if people are forced to actually say something, James would probably say, I still never really did experience any racism because it's probably true. Yeah. But he also didn't experience being treated like crap because he's not a woman. Right. Very true. Any organization that has to hire a diversity and inclusiveness vice president. (laughs) Right is an organization that wants to put it in a corner office and leave it alone and ignore it. Mm-hmm. That should not be a person. Diversity and inclusion should be a policy that is emphasized by everybody who works there, not a person. Because as soon as you assign it to a person, guess what? You can close the door on that person. You can not include them in your emails. You can, if, okay, only idiots use email, by the way. Um, you say it verbally and in a closed room with no cameras. I mean, that's, come on. If you're really going to be an idiot, be a smart one. Um, look, so, uh, yeah. No, the fact that the Suns are touting that they hired a diversity, whatever they call this person, the longer the title, the worse the job. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that right now. 
And that is a long ass title. So it's just ridiculous um, that, that that's what the NBA is saying the Suns have done and the Suns are saying they've done. And yet we hear employees saying it's still a bad culture because it wasn't all just Robert. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all performative. It's all a lot of recency stuff as far as people that they've hired and, um, you know, trying to get the good word out there about how diverse an organization they are now, even though their owner said he hates diversity himself. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. It, it, like you said, Dave, it goes a lot deeper than just Sarver. There yeah. are still plenty of people over there that need to be clean house, which is why the prospect of him selling the team is exciting. And you hope that whoever comes in, you know, we're dealing with billionaires and millionaires here. So there's going to be some shoddy stuff from a lot of these people's past. These aren't the best human beings on the face of the earth, no matter who you're going to get. But hopefully we get someone that can help clean house a little bit and clean up the culture that badly needs it. Yeah, exactly. Michael Lockhart, sorry, Michael Lockhart in the chat said, idiot here. I still use email. Oh, Michael, I use email all day long. Mm -hmm. That's my life is email, especially teleworking. What I mean is don't be an idiot in email. When you use email, it's got to be 100% professional Mm because those are receipts. Exactly. Sorry, Brandon. Go ahead, please. I lost my train of thought, Dave. Damn it. Oh, Um, damn it. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I got it back. So just to Gerald's point, I think, uh, yeah, whoever comes in, you know, I, I know a lot of people that work for the Suns right now, and I feel bad for some of them, like, because there's a good chance they could clean house. Um, a lot of the issues, though, aren't at those lower levels or mid-management levels. It's the people managing all those uh, people that just kind of instill that culture. So I think uh, there's a way that they can keep, you know, some of the staff intact, but also, like, take some of the leadership out. That's been the problem. That's that's what I hope the next owner does, but you know, who knows? It's, it's going to be their team. Uh, they're going to be a billionaire and they're not going to be a perfect person as Gerald said. So don't, uh, you know, it's, I think the expectation, none of these billionaires are good people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just so, so that's something we have to pre- prepare ourselves for, whether it's, you know, uh, some of the names that have popped up that we'll get into, but, uh, you know, RT Moreno, uh, Jeff Bezos, Saw Elon Musk thrown out there, uh, David Eager from Disney, Steve Jobs. Like, there's been some wild names. Um, you know, I just just prepare yourself, Suns fans, because it's it's not going to be perfect, but anything's an upgrade over Sarver as long as they care about changing the culture, spending money, and trying to win. That's all I care about. Can I say no on RT Marino? Sure. Uh, and the reason <laughs> it's my show. Um, yeah. The reason is that. Um, he has he's owned the Angels, or are they what are they? The California Angels these days? I don't know what. I don't follow baseball LA? enough. I think they're, they're wasting anyway. two generational talents over there. So they're <laughs> wasting. He he's got Shohei Otane and Mike Trout. Does anyone mm-hmm. even realize those guys are still on that team because that team sucks? Mm-hmm. So I don't want an owner who's going to waste Devin Booker's career because he's already proven he can do it in baseball. Yeah, I, I would be out on him. I would, man, Elon Musk. No, thank you, Elon Musk. I, I'm sure people in the chat or listening are going to come after me because Elon has a whole standing army online, but like, would not like that. Jeff Bezos, I wouldn't like unless he decides to treat the Suns like his new Lord of the Rings show and just pour money into it. <laughs> but like, I, I, hey, that's I, true. He could. I mean, he could, but like, we, we all know. Bezos and his reputation and some of the things yeah. he's done 
But I, I would be cool with Bob Iger. I'd be cool with Laureen Jobs. Um, I, Iger would have to be part of probably a big partnership because I think his net worth is like six hundred and eighty million or something like that. So yeah. he's oh. not going to be buying the team by himself. He's going to need some help there. Yeah, um, I saw a tweet. I think uh, anything we get is a part is going to be a big partnership. I don't know. You got the Steve Ballmer of the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's possible somebody else is going to blow. Um, Sarver away with an with a purchase offer that's an individual. It's probably more likely going to be an investment partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw a tweet saying if Bezos buys a team, his free agency pitch for Giannis would be building him an island. Uh, so, <laughs> so I think you know that's the only positive Humanoid. to Bezos is he would spend money. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like Gerald mentioned, there's there's other issues, and that, those are the issues that we're probably gonna have to deal with with most of these people, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, what what I'd like to know is what you guys think of the uh, let's take some bets right now. Receipts, mm-hmm. right? Video is also receipts. Okay. <laughs> what do you think is the purchase price of the Suns? Oh, I'm gonna say three point five billion. What about you, Zona? You know, I think they're they're the only NBA team for sale right now. It's gonna go a little bit higher, and I think some billionaires are gonna, you know. Get a little stubborn. It's going to get pushed up to the five, six billion dollar mark. I think it's going to oh, be man. crazy. Okay, five going or six on a limb. billion. <laughs> All right, yeah, you're going on a limb. I'm gonna, I'm gonna split the difference, and I'm gonna say it's gonna have a four in the beginning of it, okay. somewhere in the fours. And the reason is that not only <clears throat> are the Suns only the only franchise for sale right now, but I mean, can you? It. I'm having a hard time coming up with a better potential purchase of an NBA franchise right now. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, no, the Warriors are not going to be for sale. That's a better purchase because they have bigger revenue. So the, only, the Suns' only problem is they don't have all the extra revenue of a top five market, right? You don't have the um, – the Warriors are, are talking about how they have more revenue coming in from other streams than they do the NBA, that kind of thing. It's the only thing to hold against the Suns. The Suns – have a rich history. The sun, yeah, solar panel. Let's go in as a group buy. Um, I got five bucks. Um, so the Suns have a rich history. They've got an incredible team right now. They've got all their young players locked up and under team control. They've got perfect uh, ca- uh, contracts for the older players, so you can turn it over and you can keep doing well. They've got all their draft picks. They have they have great present. They have great future. They have a great history. They've got a great fan base. I mean, what are we at? Uh, how many straight sellouts is it, Gerald? I don't know. It's been a while since we've gotten that notice. It's been you know, right. at least over a season. I feel like it. Yeah. Um, oh no, because they just started opening the arenas again. Um, so it's it's less than a season, I think, of sellouts. But still, it's it's crazy how much. Um, uh, how many good things are on the list of why you would buy this Suns franchise? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're buying a distressed asset, right? It's, like it's, Minnesota is yeah. a distressed asset. <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't matter what Minnesota sold for. Mm-hmm. The Clippers, remember they back? Of course, they only sold for only two billion. Was it two point two billion, something like that, to Balmer? Mm-hmm. But at the time. That was more than any franchise had ever been sold for, and it bumped everyone's uh, valuations up. 
Right. Now they've got the Knicks at six and a half, is it? 5.8, six and a half, somewhere around there. Yeah. That's without them being on the market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Brandon, you may not be far off with the five, six million range. But yeah. I'm going to guess if there's a. Fours. Oh, sorry. Fours. Yeah. Especially if there's a bidding war, I think like these, these owners yeah. will get stubborn and like they'll realize this is valuable real estate. You look at Phoenix, it's one of the fastest growing cities in, in the US right now. And uh, yeah. the NBA is only getting, you know, more popular, like internationally as well. So I think uh, it's a smart investment. And I could see this, you know, going for double what people expect pretty easily. Uh, Steve Holler says the really, really rich people are buying land right now. Well, here's the thing. They're buying something that guarantees to appreciate. So the really, really rich people are buying things that guarantee to appreciate. Land is is one of the best things you can do because it's never depreciated over time. Mm-hmm. Guess what else doesn't depreciate over time? Guess what else appreciates over time? Sports franchises. Mm-hmm. So heck yeah. Heck yeah. The especially, richest people are going to want to buy these. Especially with that new TVD, that TV deal TV coming deal. in in the next few years. like Tripling. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. We haven't even had a chance to talk about that. <laughs> so right now, I just want to give you guys perspective watching this show. Thank you, Gerald, for bringing that up. Right now, the TV deal, which has gotten our max salaries. Um, um, Devin Booker's going to be making, what, $60 million on the mm-hmm. current set- setup. The TV deal pays out about, I think it's $25 million a year, $25 billion, whatever it is, the, mm-hmm. either an M or a B. The number is 25 The new TV deal, if it only stays in line with all the other sports who have struck new TV deals, so this isn't speculative, this is like conservative, mm-hmm. will triple. <laughs> and that's at least 50% of the league's revenues on BRI, what's considered basketball-related income, mm-hmm. which – 50% of it goes to the players, which creates our salary cap. So half of that, like it's, it, if 50% of the league's income goes up triple, the salary cap's going to at least double. Mm-hmm. So Devin Booker is going to be a bargain depending on when the salary cap rises. Cause Devin Booker's on that weird cusp mm-hmm. of his, his new contract may actually be when a new CBA, cause they could, they could all, vote opt out this December nicely so that they can start the new TV deal a year early. And if that happens, Booker will be under the new TV deal and his, his number might be actually in the hundred million range. Would that be crazy? That'd be crazy. That would be. And it's, it's part of why I feel like I'm very team extend Cam Johnson now because he's going to yeah. be everybody on this roster is going to be a bargain in yeah. a few years time. So mm-hmm. 100%. absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing is, is people are no one, no one's really stressing about Deandre Aiden's pay anymore. Mm-hmm. That dude's going to be the biggest bargain. Mm-hmm. So is Mikel Bridges. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So that's another thing we got to talk about Jalen Brown. For example, he's going to be a free agent in a year mm-hmm. or two years. Uh, when this new deal comes in, the belt Boston Celtics won't even be able to extend him because he won't want the extension. Cause you can only go 20% increase. The new uh, max salary is going to be like twice at least what Jalen's making now. So that's one of the reasons that Jalen Brown is kind of on the market for the Celtics. That same kind of thing is going to happen with guys like Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Aiden in four years. There's no extensions happening. They're going to have to go into unrestricted free agency, and the Suns are going to have to hope to keep them. Every team. Every team's going to be like that, all 30 teams. Those are just two examples. They're, they're going to be deals, real good deals. 
for the next four years. All right, we got to take a second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins for you. New customers, just $5 bet on any team to win, and you get $200 in free bets if they do win. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Those get, Both parlays are awesome. You can bet on first touchdown, first catch, all these things. Right now, for every leg, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. So, and even to make things sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once, once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that is what you got to do. That's code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, now let's talk about Raycon. That's our other sponsor. Really cool earbuds. These guys are great. I know I've been convalescing since I got shoulder replacement surgery less than two weeks ago. And I've been listening to a ton of podcasts, different genres, basketball, football, basket, baseball, whatever it is. I've been listening talk, and, and getting caught up on all the podcasts out there. And I've been using these Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds, they have the great look, feel, sound, they're better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, you, they are so comfortable and they won't budge if you're up working out. Now me, I'm sitting around not doing a whole lot, but if you're up working out, these things won't budge and that's important. They give you eight hours of playtime, 32-hour battery life, and they're priced just right. They're about half of what you're used to paying for earbuds for these wireless earbuds, man. This is really, really good deal. And they have 50,000 five-star reviews for a good reason. There's three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, and awareness mode all available in these, in these earbuds. Go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15. TBPN15 to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's code TBB, TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. Yeah. All right. And now uh, enough about the smaller storyline. We can move on to the main topic for today. Um, Frank Jackson. Signers and signs. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll let Gerald talk about him a little bit. I know he did a piece for uh, PHNX. Uh, if you want to dive in, just kind of give a quick quick hit scouting report on what Jackson brings to the table and why Jones might have signed him. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we look at the roster. We know that backcourt depth, guard depth, aside from Chris Paul and campaign is a big issue. I don't know that Frank Jackson is your guy who's going to fill that spot. Honestly, I think I might be more invested in Dwayne Washington Jr. on the two-way deal than I am yeah. on this non-guaranteed one. Um, he did average a career-best 10.6 points last year, but his efficiency wasn't very good. Shot 40% overall, about 31% from three. Um, but he is a good corner three-point shooter. Um, not much of a playmaker, but he's good. The Pistons had him running off screens a lot. I think he was in the 95th percentile in shots off of screens per 75 possessions. 
but he wasn't very good in that role. He was only in the fourth percentile in points per possession on those shots. So they kind of had him as like this spot up specialist who was flying off screens like a JJ Redick or a Clay Thompson, but that's not really what he's good at. Um, so I am curious to see what his kind of role is because he's six foot three and he's not a playmaker. So he's really not the guy you want to be your point guard, but he's also undersized and he's not a great individual scorer. So the off guard role is kind of where he slots in, but that's not really his best suited spot. So I don't, I, I think he's shown some flashes as a cutter, as a guy who scored in ISO in a very limited number of, of uh, events, but like, I have a hard time seeing him getting that 15th roster spot. We, we don't know who else they're going to bring to training camp. So right now he's kind of the default guy, but I don't know if they, if they have him as their third guard that they probably could have done better. I feel like. Yeah. yeah so Frank Jackson. Um, so I want to ask you guys a question in the off season, the mm-hmm. sons have spent minimum salaries to mm-hmm. sign um, uh, Damian Lee, Damian Lee, who's a 6-4 shooting guard mm-hmm. who can't pass. Uh, you've got Josh Akogi, who's a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, shooting guard. He just can't make the shots mm-hmm. that he puts up. Uh, but he plays defense. They they signed uh, Dwayne Washington uh, as a, to a two-way con. Guess what? He's 6'4", six, 6'3". Four, six, and now Frank Jackson, 6'4", six, 6'3". Six, Those guys are both non-guaranteed cheap deals. But why is it that there's four guys? I'm going to do the I'm going to do one-handed Brian Windhorst. <laughs> why is it that the Phoenix Suns signed four guys who look like Landry Shamit and play <laughs> like Landry Shamit? Is it that they're trying to make Landry look better, or that they're trying to have insurance in case Landry is traded, Gerald? I think it could be both. I, I do think, obviously, you look at the Suns' roster construction, and if they're in the mix for a blockbuster trade, they've got a lot of salaries that you can kind of stack up and throw picks on top of to make the math work. And Shamit's obviously one of those major guys. Um, and it, you know, people look at his four-year contract, but like the third year is non-guaranteed, the fourth year is a team option, yeah, and it's for like ten or eleven million. It's really not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think there is something to that. I also think it's just a fa- a matter of we need to get guys that can fill out our bench a little bit um, because they did lose, you know, JaVale McGee. They did lose a couple of guys, nobody really that important, but they just want wing depth. I know with a Kogi, I think that might have been a Mikhail Bridges insurance play. Honestly, if they were going to trade him for Kevin Durant, they need some point of attack defender. Um, but yeah, it is kind of interesting. I, I don't, I think with Frank, you're kind of hoping that he can show something as a point guard to sign him. But that is that is funny that because Lee shooting guard, Josh Akogi typically shooting guard, small forward. Um, so there is a little bit of overlap there for sure. And it seems like James goes through these phases, right? Where like James Jones, the GM. So two years ago, it was six one shooting guards, <laughs> right? Uh, with um, Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway. Mm-hmm. And then now it's six, four shooting guards. Like they're all just still undersized, but at least they're getting taller yeah, they're going uh, in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a ploy to make Landry Shaman look better, you know, by comparison in training camp, preseason games, when Devin Booker doesn't play much, they want Shaman to, <laughs> to, to be the go-to guy and they don't want people to outplay him. I don't know. 
I, it just feels weird because none of these guys was real, really. Um, none of these guys was re- is really an answer. They're just not. None of them are, are really an answer unless Josh Okogie suddenly figures out how to shoot the basketball. Oh, yeah. Let me continue. Lorianne makes it. DeVale was huge. They also, two years ago, he went through the um, the slow white center backup, right, phase where mm-hmm. you had Frank and, and Dario. And then last year, it was the rim protector can't shoot anything outside three feet phase with Bismack and, and JaVale McGee backing up DeAndre. And so James Jones goes through like um, like repeats on his signings a lot. Uh, and uh, this year he's back to, cause you could say Jock Landale and Dario Saric, um, but he's also got that Bismack uh, change up. So it's good that he actually has some change ups in his, on his center rotation this year. All right. Yeah. I digressed based on Lori's comment. Go ahead. And I, I know uh, this offseason, I don't really have an issue with any of the guys they sign individually. I think they make sense to a degree as like regular season depth, just like he's got, you could plug them in with the starters and, they could play and like things will be fine like in a regular season game, but none of these guys move the needle in terms of like in, when it comes to the playoffs and, and or strengthening their weaknesses, which is getting to the rim, creating their own shots, stuff that they needed desperately that they didn't address. So uh, to me, this this offseason, there are some positives with the extensions, bringing like the core back, but um, I still think there's some glaring holes that you know could be solved now uh, with a crowder trade, maybe like Dave was saying with Perrin Shamit with him in a larger trade potentially uh, because they do have the depth that they, I think Shamit part of the reason I wasn't a huge fan of that extension and Suns fans got mad at me, but I think he's a very replaceable player. I, I just don't see like, uh, and you know, a lot of Suns fans kind of turned on him uh, after this last season, but, but I think, uh, you know, just finding someone that can, you know, you could get the ball to and say, go get me a bucket. That's something they did. They just don't have outside of Booker and the 57 year old Chris Paul. So, they need that third option that can get them a bucket. And uh, right now, like Harrison Barnes is one name I really like a lot. I don't know if the Kings are going to look to trade him, um, but that, that's someone I'm looking at. Jared Vanderbilt was another name that popped up. Um, and real quick to connect those dots, um, Bogdan or Bohan Bogdanovich was just traded to the Pistons, and the Suns were linked to that. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the Suns, like, quote-unquote, missing out on that and also trying to – you know, take a stab at Vanderbilt. Go ahead, Gerald. Yeah, I look, I was kind of surprised that Boyan went for as little as he did to the Pistons. I know Danny Ainge loves him some Kelly Olynyk, but like not having a first round pick was kind of surprising there when a lot of us had been speculating he was going to, you know, hold out for one to two picks for a guy like that. Um, especially because you watched him in Eurobasket. He can create a lot of his own offense. I don't know how many people really watched jazz games last year, but like, He's a, he can create some of his own offense, good shooter. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think it's kind of acceptable that they went after him and Jared Vanderbilt because I didn't really feel like trading Crowder and another piece to match salary for Boyan was that much of an upgrade. Offensively, yeah. sure, but defensively, you're definitely taking a step back. I think if you were would have traded for Boyan and Jared Vanderbilt, who is – a terrific multi-possessional defender would have helped them with their rebounding issues at the four spot. I think he averaged about eight last year. Um, Like that would have been a really good trade. So I understand the jazz like Vanderbilt. I understand why they they held out. And at the end of the day, they didn't get anything done to meaningfully improve the roster, but like it does tell me that James Jones is looking, he's aware of some of the areas of need on this team. 
and he's targeting guys that I like. So personally, I'm, you know, I'm on board with that. Yeah, it was nice to hear. Actually, I was I was really happy to see that yesterday that the Suns were were, were wanting to attach Vanderbilt mm-hmm. into that deal, or they didn't want Boyan because I think it's I think it made a lot of sense to me that the Suns would probably not be as excited about Boyan as some of us were who just wanted to see change, right? Like we spent all summer just change something. Give us some, you know, it's like that old meme where you're like, you're using a stick to try to get something, something. to move and just, yeah, do something. <laughs> and the Suns didn't do anything, but you know what? Boyan would have been a step back um, because we say, okay, you need someone who can create some offense. Boyan's not that great on creating offense. He can create more than Michael can, but mm. he's not that great at creating it. And, and to give him, you can't just, it's not like Legos. I always say this on the show. Brandon's probably tired of it. It's not <laughs> like you can't just add another Lego to the, to the, to the puzzle, whatever, you know, that you're building, you're taking something away to put that Lego in there. Only five guys can be on the court at one time. So when Boyan's out there in place of a Jay Crowder, you're losing defense. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the Mavericks against the Jazz in the first round this past playoffs. Mm. And guess who was the primary defender on Luka in the first round? Boyan. Mm-hmm. Guess who Luka demolished in the first round? Boyan. Because he can't move. And if you guys watched any of Eurobasket, he can't move defensively very well. Mm-hmm. He can try, but he doesn't. Um, so he's he, the Suns would have lost a lot of defense. And you say, well, they need more offense. Okay, at playoff time is when they needed more offense because during the season they were a top five offense mm-hmm. in the league. So when you get into the playoffs, you need the guy who can create shots, but he's got to be on the floor to do that. And now you're suffering on defense. And Gerald, where did what did the Suns suffer most from in the playoffs this past year? Was it offense or was it defense? It was defense, ironically. Defense. Enough. Ironically enough, exactly. <laughs> you look back at the numbers, and even though the Suns suffered a little bit on playmaking, like we all saw, they were the second-best offense in the entire playoffs. Mm-hmm. They were the 14th-worst defense in the entire playoffs. The opposite of the year before. What happened the year before? They went to the finals. What happened this year? They got ousted in the second round by getting run over on defense. So you can't bring in somebody who guy who can't play defense and hope your team gets better just because he might be able to create a shot in between. Same reason they're not probably targeting Jordan Clarkson. Because mm-hmm. to get him out there, he has to be one of your five guys on the floor. You can't just add him. He's not additive. You have to suffer the defense that he can't play. So, Right. And, and I will say about Jordan Clarkson, because I know a lot of Suns fans like to keep bringing his name up. And I get it, like he can create his own shots, but man, his decision-making, his shot selection is pretty suspect. He is not that guy as a three-point shooter either. Yeah. And then you throw in the defensive concerns. Like I, and I, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because I threw out a, a potential Clarkson and uh, Jared Vanderbilt trade this morning. But like, I, I just, I don't think he's the guy that Suns fans think he is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he would be frustrating, I think. Sorry, Brandon, go. go. No, I was just going to say I, I agree. I think, like, I get the idea of Clarkson. Like, he makes sense on some levels with, like, you know, the scoring. And he, he does get hot. He will take over games from time to time where when he's on, he can win you a game. But is that something you want to rely on in the playoffs? 
Uh, are you going to play him with Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Like, no, that's, that's just not an option in the playoffs uh, to close out games. So um, I get it. Like, I do think there's times where you don't, but at the same time, I think there's, there's better options. And, uh, you know, Vanderbilt is like my number one target just because you saw what, I mean, obviously he's not going to stop Luca. We saw what Luca did to the Suns though. We saw what the Pelicans, when they went big, what they did to the Suns, they just need a bigger forward to help with rebounding. Uh, they need some more athleticism. I think that's probably the, one of their biggest needs right now is like, they're just not a very athletic team, which is crazy to say when you have a guy like DeAndre and then, you know, Mikel Bridges and, and but you look at the rest of this roster, they're, they're not that athletic. So I think adding someone that, brings a size and, you know, athleticism at, at the four position is huge. And, uh, you know, we could talk a little bit more about this, but I think uh, it's time that we, we bring up the the Jay Crowder tweet, tweet yeah. and delete. So uh, <laughs> I'll let Gerald uh, take that one away. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was at dinner with my girlfriend last night <laughs> and I get the notification that he tweeted something. So I look at it and it's quote tweeting Dwayne Rankin saying 99 won't be there in all caps about training camp. And I immediately go to like, this is kind of a thing that I do, but with some athletes that I know are prone to deleting things, I just take a screenshot just to be safe because you never know. And immediately I went back to look at my notifications to see where the tweet was and it was gone. So he tweeted it and immediately deleted it like five seconds apart, I swear. Um, but screenshots live forever. So it's uh it's rough because we've been hearing you know he tweeted about change being inevitable at the beginning of august um he's been liking comments and pinning comments from heat fans from mavs fans for the last couple of weeks you look at his twitter likes three of the last four are about him going back to miami so like it's pretty clear he wants out um and to this point, I've kind of been team, okay, we don't know exactly what he was talking about. He could just be right. with Heat fans. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because we don't know what went on behind the yeah. scenes this summer. He's had his name thrown in trade rumors all summer long, so I get he's a he's a proudful guy. He's He's got his pride. But, like, at this point, it, it, you can't make excuses for him anymore. He's not handling this well. He's hurting his trade value, if anything, by publicly making his – demands known and like you know i i just didn't it would be an unfortunate end to his tenure here when he's been nothing but professional for the suns nothing but good for their culture to this point but i do think he's kind of forcing the sun's hand at this point a little bit as far as they've got enough problems on their plate right now they've got enough shit to deal with like you don't want a guy that's going to be unhappy in that locker room even if he's been really good for it to this point. So mm -hmm. I, I think they, we might see a trade here soon just because they might have to. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was really interesting. And you're right, Gerald, we tried to give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, obviously, because he could have been tweeting from a hair salon. Right. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So you don't you just don't know, but the, the, the quick tweet and delete from Friday obviously shows that he, I mean, he went to a lot of trouble. He had to type all that out, right? He had to hit his caps lock again right. on his phone, and he had to type all that out. And with caps lock, you got to switch over to numbers to hit the 9-9 nine, nine, and then switch back and then caps lock again. All that stuff mm -hmm. takes effort to tweet and then to immediately delete it. I wonder how, you know, who talked to him or was he just trying to have fun to see if somebody would screenshot it? I don't think he th he's that deep. Mm -hmm. So I think he did tweet it on purpose, and then somebody told him to delete it 
Um, and he did, you know, the, he's like, ha ha, just kidding, you know, but we have a question in the chat. Does, does that mean he's already in a trade deal? I don't know about that. We don't, obviously we don't know anything. I think the Suns are looking for the best possible trades. They were trying to get Jared Vanderbilt back in a trade for him. Mm -hmm. So I, I, there's probably a few trades on the, on the table. And then it's up to the Suns whether they want to make a last minute trade this weekend. I kind of thought if anything was going to happen, it was going to happen yesterday because you know, once media uh, day and then training camp starts, it's 24 seven basketball. <clears throat> this might be the last free weekend anybody gets for a while. And so I thought they would, any business would happen yesterday so that people could take the weekend off, but maybe not now that he's tweeting that on Friday night. So <laughs> we'll see anything can happen at any point. Um, what do you think about him going back to Miami? The problem with Miami is that there's nobody that you'd want back from Miami mm -hmm. in trade for him for his $9 million salary that would fit because Miami's also over the cap. So they would have to, um, it would have to be a salary matching within 25% each way. So is there anyone on Miami? Would you, would you want D Duncan Robinson? Would you want Duncan Robinson back? No, no. And I, I, he's kind of the only one that makes sense. Cause you look at, like, I think Dwayne Dedman and Victor Oladipo, because they recently signed, they can't be traded until January 15th. Oladipo has veto power on a trade anyway. Um, and like, Duncan Robinson is kind of the only salary that works for this deal. Um, I proposed a deal with Miami in a trade piece this morning just because wanted to cover bases. Mm -hmm. Now it'd be Duncan Robinson and a top 10 2023 first rounder coming to Phoenix for Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. And mm -hmm. I just, that doesn't make you better for the upcoming season. If you're trying to no. contend, that makes you worse. And I understand People have been like, oh, you can turn Crowder into a first rounder and then flip that first rounder. But that's a lot of legwork no. to get an improvement right away. Like, I'm not a fan of that at all. You're right. Absolutely, Gerald. I don't think they're going to trade Jay Crowder unless they get somebody who gets them at least as, as good now mm -hmm. as they are. In the, so their perfect trade would have been Boyan and Vanderbilt, right? Yeah. That would have been perfect <laughs> mm -hmm. because – Boyan is your guy for the year if if he can hold up defensively. But if he can't, well, then you still got Vanderbilt for the next several years as your as your future guy who can also play defense and, and defend the rim and rebound as your lengthy power forward who might be able to learn how to shoot. I think Vanderbilt was the key, not Boyan there. But Boyan would have been a nice add as a throw-in. Yeah, and I, I don't like the whole Miami thing at all. Mm -hmm. I think the only way that makes any sense to deal with Miami would be a, like a three-way trade where some team that's bad and tanking, just they're like, okay, we'll take on Robinson's contract. Send us, you know, a top 10 pick or a top 10 protected pick, send us a future, some future assets. Um, mm -hmm. And it works out that way, but it's pretty rare to see a three-way deal be centered around a guy like Jay Crowder. So who knows? I think that's probably the only, yeah. only way it's going to get done and make sense for both Miami and Phoenix. And then the third part, the third party is just some bad team. that's just like, you know, we'll, we'll take on Duncan. And then once you add a third team, everything gets more difficult and teams yeah. back out. Didn't we hear something last month that uh, this, even just two teams, the Suns thought they had the Kings in as their backup plan. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get Durant. They thought they had the Kings ready to go with Harrison Barnes um, in a trade with Jay Crowder going out. 
But then the Kings pulled out because they thought, oh, now the Suns are over a barrel, so we can require more value back, you know. And right. and the Suns are just like, no, thank you. And so that fell apart. So teams, you don't know their motivations. And the more teams you include in these trades, their motivations can change on a daily basis. So that's tough. And like you said, Brim, no one's ever had a three-team trade involving Jay Crowder on their books anyway. So, um, look, we love Jay, but he's not worth a three-team trade. Yeah, I will – Oh, I do want to. I do want to propose one though, because I and I didn't include this in my piece, but I was just thinking about it. Would you? Okay, let's say the Suns send their Crowder Sharich package to Miami, the Heat send Duncan Robinson to the Houston Rockets, and the Rockets send Eric Gordon to Phoenix. Suns maybe send the Rockets, maybe a first round pick. Is that? Does that so you guys are still needs? on Eric Gordon as the as a solution. I mean, I think he could be part of the playoff rotation at least, which is why well, hasn't he been back. traded yet? I like him I, a lot more than Clarkson. I'll say that. I think they're holding out for probably a first rounder. I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my thing. Um, you can make those now trades for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that kind of t- what if you're really thinking down the road? Mm-hmm. I would like Shea Gilders Alexander. Oh yeah. Who is, by the way, acquirable because mm-hmm. you don't have Aiton on your second designated max, by the right. way. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys like that have been on the radar for post Chris Paul, I think. And you've got two years now until we can get you can get a new designated rookie max in addition if you had given Aiton that number. So that's all taken care of. Now the Suns mm-hmm. can acquire a Shea. Right. If you've given up a first round for Eric Gordon, who would you rather now? You can't get Shea? That's true, but you are also projecting that he will be available, which I, I think he at some point he's got to be, right? Because you look at the Thunder's roster, it's basically the same. With their they injuries, just, they're yeah. still going to lose 60-plus like, games. Like, at what point does Shea be like, yo, yeah. I was in the playoffs the first one or two years of my career. Like, what are we doing here? I don't want to yeah. be I don't want to be the new Devin Booker where I'm, a, I'm seen as a, an empty calories guy on a losing team anymore. I don't think we're there yet. I don't want to project that onto him, but like, I do think he will be available, but you're also, it's kind of the same thing as the Kevin Durant situation. You are hoping that he becomes available and that you're in position to make the move. But if it doesn't happen, then you're kind of just left scrambling to work something out at the trade deadline. I don't know. Are we slowly is becoming Chet the, the Lakers and Knicks like fan base? You know, it's first it's Durant, <laughs> now it's Shea. Yep. Who's the next yeah. star? We're just going to, but well, no, we're I got all it. Hoping. It makes sense. We're hoping for that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're not getting anything else, so you might as well. the 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 more you know, the the more thirstier you get, the the bigger the the drink you want to have. So, um, we're we're waiting for something, anything to happen. So, with Jay Crowder, would you, if if they can't, if the Suns cannot find a trade for him, Mm -hmm. and he does not want to come to training camp, what do you think? Oh, at that point, you kind of just have to make a trade to make a trade. I and I, I hate saying that because I don't feel like teams that have players under contract should normally operate that way. And Jay Crowder is just not the type of guy that should be holding out of a training camp. Like you shouldn't, your franchise shouldn't be beholden or under siege by Jay Crowder. But like this, this team is contending for a title this year. Like you they are getting over the most embarrassing playoff loss in franchise history on top of the COVID outbreak reports on top of the DA Monty Williams sideline spat 
on top of the owner investigative findings coming out, like everything right now is a shit show. There are distractions everywhere. You can't afford another one. And so in this case, I think you make an exception and obviously they're not coming at this from a place of good leverage, but like, I feel like you kind of have to move him before the start of the season. Now, if this is what he really wants, if this is who he's going to be and how he's going to handle it, you have to just do something to get a piece that you can maybe hopefully plug into your playoff rotation. And you kind of just have to go from there. Cause I, and there are some good options that guys that might be available, but it is going to be hard if the whole league knows that he wants out now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can bring it there. I just can't believe how many storylines there are, Gerald. And, yeah. and so let's take bets and, and Zona, you're going to, are you going to be able to make it to media day on Monday? Zona? Uh, I'm hoping to, we'll see. Okay. I'll let you know. I'll let you know for sure in the next 24 hours. <laughs> yep. That'd be great if you can. Um, so, but I'll, I'll uh, so I'm not, I'm focusing for both of you. For media day, which storyline gets the short shrift? That's my question. There's so many of them. Mm -hmm. Do you think they're going to get enough questions about that playoff collapse? Or do you think that's going to be the one that gets brushed over because there's so many more new current today's problem storylines? Yeah, I, I think that one is a candidate. I do think guys will probably get at least one or two questions about it. I think Cam Johnson's extension talks are probably going to be a non-story. They're probably just going to say the same old about, yeah, business side is we're business side. Yeah. yeah, we're talking. We're going to work out the best deal for whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that one is probably the best candidate just because we've got Sarver questions. We've got Jay Crowder not wanting to be here questions. We've got Devin Booker's massive summer questions <laughs> like, um, for all the bad things that happened with the Suns, Devin Booker had the best summer of anybody. <laughs> like Devin Booker's had the whole best life the last couple of years. He, he really he has. It. He's somehow made it even better this summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and of course the DA stuff. Like, is the hatchet truly buried? Are you guys good? Is he? Does he still? Is he still happy to be here? Even though he had that interview with Mark Spears, like those questions are definitely going to be. Yeah. There. No. So let's talk about DA for a sec, if you guys mm -hmm. don't mind. Do you guys? Yeah. Um, yeah. So with DA, obviously, everyone who's listening to this podcast right now, almost an hour in, knows everything that's going on with DA. So I'm not going to recap anything. Okay. But a year ago, we come to training camp and DA had been, you know, hey, everything's great. We love, you know, I love it. I'm going to play great. What was his biggest, what were his talking points in training camp, Gerald, a year ago? It was, I want to make, I want to do my own offense more. I don't like being the big man. I'm tired of playing just the big man dive. Mm -hmm. Everything he made a name for himself and got credit for the prior year, he basically shit on in training <laughs> camp mm -hmm. in his nice, kind way and mm -hmm. said, you know what? I got to be a little bit more about me now mm -hmm. because of his contract coming up. He didn't say it because of his contract coming up, but he did say that he wants it to be more about him. He wants to take more shots. He wants to be more involved in the offense. He wants to bring more creativity. Two weeks ago, James Jones did an interview with somebody, I forget who, and said, oh, it's Dwayne. Um, Dwayne Rankin. Good for him, Dwayne. Uh, good for you, buddy. Um, said that uh, DA's working on his secondary moves, right? Mm -hmm. He's working on his counters. Right. So when you stop him doing this, he's going to be able to do that. And that's all wonderful. That's great. 
So what I'm looking for is what's what's DA saying and that we should take it more at face value this year as a as a either a great or an uh oh than we did a year ago. A year ago we we're like, yeah, DA always talks about expanding his range. He mm-hmm. lived the entire season like that, right? His rebounding went down just a little bit, not much. On a per minute basis, it didn't go down hardly at all. But still, he wasn't as focused on being that rebounder, catch deep in the post guy. He was more focused on taking mid-range shots. He was great at it, by the way, really great at it. He showed he should have been more featured in the offense. But when the playoffs came around, he was that dude instead of the dude from the 2021 playoffs. And he was more engaged when he was there on offense instead of just doing everything but offense and to win games. So which DA do we see? That's my curiosity is, is what does DA say? And then what, you know, what, how consistently through training camp, because you'll be there through training camp, I'm sure, Gerald, mm-hmm. how consistently is he going to say things, uh, the same thing over and over again? And that we really should actually take to heart more than we did maybe a year ago. And we thought maybe he was going to, he was just talking, uh, you know, yeah, I'd love, just like he said in the past, I want to be a power forward. Right. As soon as he said that he didn't want to be a big man anymore, maybe we should have taken it more seriously. And we'll see what he, what he, what he says this year. I'm really curious because he doesn't have a filter. No. <laughs> doesn't have a filter. He doesn't know how to use platitudes. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more realism out of him than most anybody. Yeah, so I'm personally. curious. I don't really care what he says, to be honest. Like at this point, DA is DA. He's going to say what he's going to say. It's just like, what are you going to go do on the court? Like uh, for, for me, I, I love to hear him say that I want to be more featured in the offense. Now let's go see it. Like that's, that's the next step for him. You know, I think he has it in him. He just has to do it on a consistent basis. So I'm excited to see his growth. And I think uh, a leap from him would, would definitely cure a lot of the Suns' problems. So uh, I, would, I would love to see it. Yeah, give me give me some dribble drive moves, and you can be featured in the office as much as you want. Because if he's if he's working on his face up game and those counters, like James Jones was telling Dwayne Rankin, like that's huge for a guy that I think eighty two percent of his baskets were assisted last year. Like, if you want to be more yeah. featured in the offense, show me you can create some more of your own offense, and by all means, like do that. The Suns need a third guy that can do that, so that would be huge. Yeah. And Here's another thing I'm going to listen for is Monty talking about DA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Monty Williams has been very consistent in downplaying DA's offense mm-hmm. over the over the over the years. I mean, remember uh, when DA would have great first halves and and we and uh, and then he would disappear in the second half and we'd ask in the in the post game pressers and Monty would just say, "Yeah, that was really fun. That was great, but." That wasn't really Suns basketball. Mm-hmm. We got back to Suns basketball in the second half and all this all this crap. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if um, Monty Williams is going to openly talk about having – thanks for blocking that adult dating site there, Brandon. You're faster than I was. Um, the uh, I, I wonder how Monty's going to talk about DA this year because one of the things – Monty loves DA. I don't think there's any problem with their relationship. I really, really don't. I think they mm-hmm. all just had a really bad game, and uh, DA's the one who has no filter, and so he showed it, and they got into a fight. I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious about is what did Monty say when he's calm about DA? And if he still talks down DA on his offense, that could, that could be a problem. Yeah. My, my take on that whole situation too is like, 
I kind of liked it, like from both sides. I think it shows that they care. And as long as it's used constructively and like there's not any animosity and they're able to move on, which I think they are, uh, you know, they're both pissed in the heat of the moment, stuff like that's going to happen in sports. So to me, it's just, you know, let's see how he bounces back this season. Yeah. All right, how many more, minutes uh, does Bismack play? Sorry, we got um, Gilbert in chat says, face it, Bismack's going to get 10 minutes a game. I actually think Dario's going to get those 10 minutes. Is Bismack a, a break glass in, in, uh, in case of matchup, you know, situations? Yeah, I, I think it depends on what Dario shows because obviously at Eurobasket, he was still working off a lot of that rust from not having played in a year and coming off the two knee surgeries. Um, so I think it could be contingent on that. And it's also, like you said, matchup based. I think if you need another athletic rim rolling big, a la ja JaVale McGee last year, you plug in Bismack. But if you need someone who can kind of be that connector that Monty always talks about, move the ball, maybe floor space, I think Dario will probably be the guy they look to. Okay, back to yeah. you, Brandon. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I tend to agree with that. Uh, one thing I wanted to just jump back to real quick was uh, Jay Crowder trade possibilities. I think there's two names that I kind of just came up with that are fit salary-wise that I'm curious to see what you guys think. Uh, first one, P.J. Washington uh, from Charlotte. I know that, you know, it, they're kind of reluctant to pay him. He, he becomes a restricted free agent after this year, so it'd probably be a rental for Phoenix most likely, but that's one name I think gives him some size, a little bit of floor spacing, and uh, you probably have to throw a pick in there and something else to entice them to do that, but that, that's one name. Uh, and then Larry Nance Jr. from the Pelicans. Uh, the reason I chose the Pelicans and Hornets is like these are two young teams trying to get a veteran presence with playoff experience on their rosters. Mm -hmm. So I think that would make sense on that front for them. So uh, a couple of bigger forwards that can play a little 4 5. Yeah, I like both of those. I, I, I'm hesitant. I like PJ Washington, but I do think if you're going to throw a pick with Crowder, you would probably want to aim a little higher if you could. Um, Larry Nance, I feel like he'd be great here. Um, he would probably love being mm -hmm. back with Willie Green in New Orleans and playing. He, you know, he'd be wearing his FJ Crowder shirt all the time <laughs> in that arena. But um, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if they would. That's a tough one. I, I do see because they would want a veteran, that kind of veteran experience guy. That's, that's yeah, that too. That's interesting. I think I think Larry Nance would be fun here, but I think the Pelicans like him too much to do that. Uh, they are probably looking for that veteran influence who can help them. They might think they're a little bit short on um, – sorry, it might be a little too soon mm -hmm. because you still got to see how Zion fits and all that and, and get going. So that might be more of a trade deadline kind of thing. Um, and then the P.J. Washington, yeah, that would be interesting. I've always liked P.J. Washington as a potential rotation big um but with miles bridges issues i don't know if charlotte can afford to to trade him right now that's true um the other thing how about what if the cleveland Cal cavaliers who are definitely leveling up right now right don't you think the cavaliers are shooting for a top four seed with the youngest one of the youngest teams in the league mm -hmm. um they just acquired donovan mitchell they're basically their sixth man now is going to be karis levert Mm -hmm. um, scorer off the bench, but between Garland and Mitchell and their other guys, Levert's not going to get a ton of playing time mm -hmm. and they could use some veteran influence. What about a, uh, Jay Crowder deal with the Cavs that brings you back a Levert 
How do you feel about that being your third guard who can create shots? Levert's probably my favorite trade option for Jay Crowder, even though he does come with some risk. Because you look at it was only like 19 games with the Cavs last year or whatever, but his numbers did dip a little bit. Um, and he hasn't quite been the same guy. Like a couple of years ago, he was a borderline two-way stud. Like he was averaging just south of 20 points a game, and he was doubling as a really smothering defender on the other end. So if you get that guy back, that's a huge, huge asset to this team. You can stagger your guards a little bit. You have another lockdown defender who can play multiple positions, create some of his own offense. Like that addresses a ton of needs for this team's bench. But at the same time, like, are the Cavs going to need a first round pick in that? Like, I don't know if Jay Crowder and either Landry Shamit or Dario Saric really does much for them. Um, and Saric, you know, he's got that expiring salary, so that's good. But like, you look at their roster, they've got Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Robin Lopez, um, and Kevin Love. Like, their front court is pretty stocked right now. So I don't know if Jay Crowder and Landry Shamit alone gets it done. You might have to attach a pick. And for an expiring salary like Levert's, that is a little risky. But I do like the boost that he gives you for at least a year if you make that deal. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that first-round pick part. There's no way the Suns are going to throw a first-round pick in an expiring contract that they would have done it for Boyan. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Crowder makes sense in Cleveland. But, yeah, like Gerald said, I think trading Levert uh, probably not would, would be ideal for them unless maybe they're high on Shamit. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they love Shaman as much as the Suns do. Um, That's true. You yeah. could swap Shaman out there. Uh, yeah, Coach Fallen Founder asked if he shoots a three poorly. I just looked it up. Yeah, 30, 30 32%. Mm-hmm. He's the bad of Jay, the bad side of Jay on three-point shooting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's an issue. I think that's that's part of it. You're. I hope they don't just send Jay out for just nothing. Mm-hmm. I really I, hope what, they get something good back. I, I do have a question because I was looking at every team that they could, and the Dallas Mavericks are another team that he was liking tweets about a return to Dallas. Obviously Please they just no. beat the Suns. Jay Crowder for Dorian Finney-Smith. Maybe, maybe There's no some. way that Mavs would send Dorian Finney-Smith, but that would be awesome. Maybe, but, like, that. but that's my question is, would what about it be, Reggie Bullock? Could, if you attach to, yeah, Reggie Bullock was another one. I, I, get it like that's one of those kind of like you have to make a trade so this is the trade we're making type deals um but would you attach a first for dfs or would you i mean obviously you push for two seconds but like i don't know if dallas does that nobody wants seconds anymore yeah yeah i think fair. dorian finney smith's one of the most underrated players in the league honestly i would i would do that in a heartbeat mm-hmm. i'll throw a first you know what's what's a first when you're picking 29th 20 or 30th or whatever like i mean obviously that like we've talked about before, that kind of limits you future trades. But, uh, yeah, I'd be all for Dorian Finney. Yeah, and it does take some draft capital away. But, like, he's under contract for four years at, like, 12, 13, 14 million a year. So he's, he's a pretty good value guy. I, I struggle with attaching a first-round pick. But at the same time, if that's what it takes to get that deal done, you are getting an upgrade, a guy who's a better, more consistent yeah. shooter, younger under contract and he's arguably just as good on defense, maybe a little bit worse, but like, I, I feel like we should probably stop thinking about Dorian Finney Smith. Cause he's just too important to Dallas. They just extended him. Uh, they chose him over Jalen Brunson with the extension. 
And Speaking I of think extensions, that, we got a Woj bomb that uh, CJ McCollum signed a two mm -hmm. extension with the Pelicans. Yep, 64 mil. Wow. I kind of like that because it's not – I forgot how much longer his contract runs for, but it's not – I don't know. I mean, 32 mil a year is a lot for CJ McCollum, but like they've got a fun young team and you want to keep those yeah. pieces intact for as long as you can, so why not? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough yeah. team. The Pelicans are interesting. Yeah, they're going to be interesting. I think, I think they hit the Suns at the right time, and the Suns – people are only barely noticing or uh, commenting that, Oh yeah. And Devin Booker missed basically the whole series. Um, so there, there was that, but I do think that the, um, I do think that the Suns, um, well, they got to do something with Jake Crowder. So we'll find out, we'll find out what happens over the weekend. What else you got for us, Brandon, on this? We're, we're a little over almost hour yeah. 10 in. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to get the over-unders. We'll save that for next week because uh, there's, had some uh, fun over under predictions lined up, but we got plenty of time before the season starts. So, you know, maybe some of these will be irrelevant a week from now if Crowder's traded. Uh, who knows? Yeah, I think we can kind of wrap it up with that. Uh, we'll do a quick true or false. So, next Saturday, we'll be doing a show again. Uh, will Jay Crowder or Jay Crowder will still be on the Phoenix Suns for next week's show? True or false? False. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say false too. I think it. He seems like a guy who's not going to let it go, so I feel yeah. like that's got to be a false, and it's only a matter of what is going to happen in his place. What's going to be in in his place? Yeah, I'm going to say false. What about you, Zona? I'll say true. Uh, I think this thing could get dragged out a little longer than we expect. I think he'll get traded before the season, but uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to happen that quick. I hope I'm. I kind of I want to trade desperately at this point of the season, so I, I would love for it to happen. So I'm trying to pull the reverse jinx by saying true, or but we'll see. You know, maybe he was saying 99 won't be here because he has a number change. He's switching to, to double zero or something. Uh, who knows? That would be funny. That would be hilarious if he's actually changing his number. Trolling everyone. All right, what else you got? I think that about wraps it up. So uh let you take the outro away, Mr. Dave King. All right. Well, hey, Gerald, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, tell us where we can find you and tell us what your craziest media day question is going to be. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. You can read my stuff at GoPHNX com and you can listen to our podcast the phnx sons podcast my craziest media day question i don't know i feel like i'm gonna be coming in with the heavy ones like just by default because like i've got some real some, some real sarver questions because i feel like i, I don't want to give these guys we can't let that guy easy we can't out. let him out right no yeah. no can't let him off the hook but um i do want to ask devin booker like where is your head at mentally because you look at the summer that he's had, like the Supermax, the 2K cover, like the Nike uh, contract, the like getting back together with Kendall. Like he's just had a phenomenal summer and this is coming off like one of the worst summers the Suns have ever had. So like how do you balance like your individual happiness with obviously still being pissed off about what happened to close the season? And, and he no-showed those last two games. Like he was not good in either one. 
And he's, this was a top five MVP candidate. So my question is like, where is your head at right now? How do you, how do you have all this good stuff go your way, but not get complacent and still stay hungry? That's kind of what I want to ask him. All right. Thank you, Gerald. Thank you. Uh, everyone check Gerald out on the, all around the internet. Um, you'll see, you'll see him everywhere and, and I'll see you <laughs> on media day on Monday and also watch for, um, Gerald, especially through Twitter or and through PHNX Suns, his coverage throughout training camp all next week. Um, Zona, tell us where we can find you and and tell us if you go to Media Day and you get the mic for one question, what would that question be? Uh, yeah, you can find me at Zona Hoops underscore on Twitter, um, brightsideofsun.com, zonahoops.com. And if I end up going, uh, Man, the craziest question I'd ask, I guess. I don't really have anything lined up, so I guess I would just kind of want to get more of a read on what the plan is with with Chris Paul's minutes. Like, are you going to, you know, what the rotation is going to be like? He's getting up there in age. Uh, you know, is it planned to play him in every back-to-back? And just kind of to build off that, just like what the overall uh, mood is for the upcoming regular season. Because, like, I've said this a million times, I want them to treat it like a marathon, not a sprint. Like, last season they kind of – you know, hit the ground running and just didn't want to stop. And I think we kind of saw what that ended up resulting in the playoffs. They were just kind of burned out. So I think getting hot at the right time, maintaining their bodies, just, you know, obviously they're competitive as hell and it's getting Chris Paul to sit in the second back to back. Like I'm sure he still scoffs at that, but uh, that's probably the question that would get the mic taken away from me. If I, if I asked that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm racking my own brain for what would be my most uh, um, outrageous question to ask on media day. Um, my name is Dave King. You can find me on Twitter at Dave King NBA. You can find my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. I'll be at media day on Monday and I'm hoping to ask, be able to ask a few questions. I do have one hand that can grab a mic with, so we're still good. Um, what would be my, you know what? I'm always wanting to get DA to talk. Right. I'm always I'm always curious how D.A. is. I feel like Devin Booker's got his platitudes down. I feel like Chris Paul's got his platitudes down. Monty Williams has his ways. He wants to answer questions. James Jones doesn't really reveal anything he doesn't want to reveal. D.A. can say stuff. And so coming up with a question that's going to basically let us know how D.A. how hard D.A. worked in the summer, because all we see Instagram, of course, is not real life. I know, I know most of you know this, but some people don't. But Instagram is not actually real life. All we've seen on Instagram from DA is fun stuff, right? Enjoying his time off, vacationing with his family, um, showing off his new um, sponsored uh, clothing and sportswear and stuff like that. Um, so I want to know where DA's head is. I really want to come up with a way to ask a question that tells us, whether he's in better shape coming in this year or not, um, you know, than usual. Like he's, he's had his issues in training camps last year. He, he bragged about how great a shape he was in and how Monty had told him how great to get come in great shape. Mm-hmm. Why he had to even share that. I don't know. The year before he got, um, you know, two years before he got suspended for having taken diuretics. And to this day, I actually believe, that he was literally taking him so he could lose weight before training camp. That's my own 
non-proven, non-inside information. I don't think he was actually taking any kind of drugs that he was trying to wash out of his system. I literally think he was trying to get in shape for training camp. And somebody told him that, you know, you need to do a cleanse somehow, some way. I think that's what, what it was. He's got to be in great shape. And I don't know that he's going to be because he got his big money. So I'm, I'm, I want to come up with a way to ask him that. So that's, that's my takeaway. I'm going to rack my brain this weekend to come up with a way to get him to be honest about that. Um, thank you everybody for joining us on this week's solar panel. We're going to get back on a regular schedule. It's been, um, it's, it's, it's been a long summer. It's been almost five months since we last saw a basketball game played by the Phoenix suns, four and a half months almost. Um, so I'm really looking forward to see the suns play basketball again. Uh, of course they won't be on TV during training camp, but we'll certainly, um, be there opening night, Dallas Mavericks at home. And we'll see if uh, they can make Luca smile or if they can make him frown and, and pretend that he's injured. So, well, you know, because he always does that when he's losing. <laughs> he starts limping down the court. Um, so we'll see what happens on opening night. And in the meantime, we're going to be back in a regular schedule. Thank you all for your patience over the summer. And I can't wait to actually be talking about basketball again.